Hi everyone and welcome to Autism Neurodiversity Coaching's Neurodiverse Universe podcast. Myself, Ben Holmes from Autism and Neurodiversity Coaching. Um, today's guest is Mel Sims, who is a neurodiverse coach and entrepreneur. So welcome, Mel. Thank you, Ben. Um, so we'll get straight into it because I don't usually do small talk. Um, <laughs> we'll get straight into it. So... Um, when were you actually, uh, so obviously you've got ADHD, when were you actually diagnosed as, as having ADHD? Um, March 21st, It uh, sorry, March 2021. It mm -hmm. really had probably like lots of people uh, after COVID. So all that sort of summer and back end of 2020, I didn't feel, I don't know what I felt. It was just weird. I'd been quite a workaholic all my life. And because my business in the hospitality business had to close due to COVID, I figured that I was just going to read books and have a really nice time. And the churning inside of me was just terrible. And I drank a lot. We'll get to that as well. Yeah. And I read something in a, a newspaper and I just thought, my God, that's me. Um, and so, yeah, we're now into year two, three of having it. And what did getting the diagnosis sort of mean to you uh it was like someone gave me a guidebook that said this is the inside of mel sims's head brain and mind it was the best present i could have ever had uh i don't know if people um have real problems about being diagnosed and what could that mean for them and it holds them back it was the best thing i ever did i just felt lost before completely lost and yep. um i luckily i think because we all know waiting lists for the diagnosis are long um i think i got in early sort of at the beginning of covid and um i went to um the doctor and said look i found this company psychiatry uk she didn't really know about the link she said you're gonna have to pay for it because you're sort of a 48 year old capable woman and I said, why? Because I don't uh, set cars alight or spit on grandparents. And she said, yes. So I got that sorted through Right to Choose. Um, and it was easy. I know it's tough for people now, but it was pretty easy. And um, I, my first entry in my diary, because I've journaled the whole um, journey, was um, just I just wept for about half a day because it all made sense then. Yeah. So sort of life-changing. Totally life-changing. Total, total invitation to begin life 2.0 without masking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I meet so many people who are in a similar position, late diagnosis or finding out, and it just, it is life-changing. It just changes everything and your whole, you know, understanding your past and how you were in the past, how you know how you masked and how people treat you wrongly. I guess in so many situations that you wasn't aware of, and yeah, it's, it, it is a massive thing. And it's I, interesting, I, Ben, isn't it that you that that sometimes you're in a situation and you feel a bit like you're a a, a double pathway where you could go into the old masking because that's what you really know. Yeah. Or new two three year way which is like the new way and you're not sure how people will react but 
every time I think to myself, I'm just showing up for myself. That's all I can do is be authentic and show up for myself. And we'll talk, I'm sure, throughout the podcast about, you know, things that have had to fall away that didn't serve me anymore, new things that are better for me, forgiveness, etc. cetera. But um, I, I really encourage anyone, just read about it. You don't even have to go for a diagnosis yet. Just read yeah. about it if you feel something's off. Yeah, no, definitely. And how did your friends and family respond to you, well, either getting the diagnosis or, or you know, telling them uh, you are ADHD? non-believers appeared mm -hmm. we've got a bit of adhd you know what's the matter with you you've run companies you've done really well almost like it was a self-indulgent journey i was going on because i didn't have anything better to do you know oh yeah. amazing. and then there were friends who i'm afraid haven't come on the journey with me because they felt that if i um got a better diary or wrote down everyone's birthday or set off a bit earlier, my life would be complete. Um, it also made me go on that sort of journey of, hmm, I wonder which parent or grandparent I got this from then. And now that all falls in. I won't, I won't mention who it is, but that all falls into place. Why it was just constantly having this tennis match when I'd have a conversation with someone in my family and thinking, Oh, which is the real one? There's a lot of masking in my family, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's been new friends. And the friends that I really, really enjoy spending time with are those who are totally open to neurodiversity um, and people who create a feeling that's non-judgmental, kind. I mean... I, th I think I thought everyone felt like me inside for years. And I just thought you just got to carry on and get friends and try and stick with it, et cetera, et cetera. And actually I don't hang around with anyone negative anymore. Life's too short. Yeah, exactly. It's a shame that obviously you have friends that didn't accept it um, and couldn't, you know, wouldn't listen, et cetera, et cetera, and dismissed it. Um, but obviously on the other side of it, as you've said, you picked up new friends who, who understand it and are similar. So, um, you know, I've, I've done a similar thing myself, really, in that sense. Um, and there is more of us out there than obviously what we knew before diagnosis and what, what have mm. you said. That, that is in fact, I go back to, you know, uni, 91 to 94, and I did a degree in Spanish and international marketing. And... Um, whilst everybody was really lovely at university, I almost had to drink at the student bar constantly to try and block out the noise, block out the different personalities, block out the smells, all of that business. So yeah. I wish I'd known then. Um, and obviously it massively affected dating, which I'm going to talk to you about. So um, yeah, it's Mel 2.0 now. Yeah. Yeah, totally resonate with that. Um, did you receive any support after your diagnosis? So, for example, you know, from government or just any... So, you know, you got your diagnosis. What happened after that in terms of support from the system or... Absolutely you know, nothing. Absolutely 
absolutely nothing. Do you know what? No one's ever asked me that question. I've just put no. Um, I went and sought out the PIP, the personal, what's it called, Ben? Pendants payment, is it? Pendants payment, that's right. And um, I didn't really think that I would get anything. And and somebody uh, said, oh, why don't you call this number, which I did. And when I walked in, the lady sort of took one look at me and said, "Where well, did you get here? And I said, I drove. And she said, uh, well, you're not going to get any you're not going to get any money then. So I'm not really sure on what basis that was decided. But anyway, um, did I get anything from um, anyone else? No, nothing. But what I do do is I am um, very open about it. And when I phone those call centre numbers for utility bills or the government or whoever, which can make me physically sick, really mm. can. In fact, I'm feeling it already now, is I say at the beginning of the call, I am neurodiverse, I have ADHD, I might not understand what you're saying, would you please respect that? And the first time I said it, I cried after I said it. And the lady just said, of course, dear. And she changed the whole way she spoke. So I haven't received support, but I ask for it at the beginning of every one of those calls. Right, okay. When they changed how they spoke to you, was it in a positive way or in a patronising way? Was it in a positive totally, way? Totally, totally positive. Right, okay. That's because I used to be told, well, everybody knows that. Well, I can't be everybody then, can I? Or a bit like a bit, a bit like in those sort of foreign comedies where I'd ask the question and the man would repeat the answer, but louder. <laughs> No, that's interesting. That um, I've never tried it myself. I don't know if I would or not. I don't know, but um, yeah, no, that's, that is interesting. It's good though that you've someone understood. Um, have you had? Was that like a? Have you had many people that have understood in that instance? Or well, the mobile phone company I'm with, EE. Um, I'm sure the lady said, right, we are putting you on a different uh, on a. I don't know how she said it, because it's also sensitive, isn't it, talking about neurodiversities. Yeah. Basically, put me on an ND list where they deal with me a bit differently. And um, and as a result, I just, I, I don't know how it changes, but I don't come off the calls stressed like I used to. Oh. I mean, only two days ago, I phoned the public guardian office because my uh, father is moving over from Spain and I want to have his um, power. Uh, I can't ever remember this word, word LPA thing. Mm-hmm. And I was on hold for two and a half hours. I was number 47 when I called in and they couldn't change the hold music. It wasn't hold music. It was a woman telling you all the things that you could do wrong on the form. Yeah. And I myself at the end of it and I haven't decided whether to share it or not yet, but I was a 50-year-old woman cr- weeping at the end because I just think if you're neurodiverse companies need to realize we exist they need to look at the hold music they need to ask if we want hold music they need to factor in how long perhaps I don't know if we need gold service on waiting I don't know what but if we're already on the back foot irritated sad distraught sensory all over the place no one's going to get the best conversation are they no 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 definitely not i think when you 
I think it's worse for me when you're on hold and you've no idea where you're on the queue and you've no idea yeah. how long it's going to take. I mean, because you, do, you don't, you're not going to sit there with your phone next to your ear. Well, obviously you do sometimes. But it's, yeah. Um, if you knew it was going to be half an hour, then you can just put the phone on the side and go and do something else for half an hour um, and then probably forget about it. But anyway. Um, That's so yeah. true. And, and two days ago, because I've got a new phone and I won't read instructions because I've got ADHD, uh, I couldn't work out how to put the phone on loudspeaker. So I had to have the phone near me for two and a half hours. I, I swear I thought I was going crazy. I might read the instructions later. No, I won't, I won't. I couldn't do that for a while. I, I didn't know how to do that with loudspeaker for a while. I, I think I was that worried about ending the call by accident. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I've I've learned to do it. I've been doing it for a few years now. Otherwise, oh god, I won't be able to do that anymore. Um, but yeah, at least I can put it on speaker now. But yeah, it's a bit of a nightmare. Um, so do you have any other, however you word it, other conditions, disorders, <laughs> whatever that you're aware of? I do. I have, again, wording, I have um, a real sensory sensitivity. Mm -hmm. Again, it all makes sense now. ADHD goes often very hand in hand with this. Um, I mean, I can remember back to when I was probably six years old in a shop called Adams in the Midlands years ago. Mum bought me a, a fluffy, itchy jumper and... I can I still remember that I had a total meltdown on the floor and all she kept saying was it's just a jumper it's just a jumper I can't put new pairs of jeans on I don't like the sound or the way they feel I haven't done any of the girly self-care stuff um yeah. really because I can't bear the smell in nail bars I don't like hairdressers talking blah blah to me I mean I, but I mark but I've masked it all for years and now I just don't do it. I can't go into cinemas. I can't bear not knowing where all the sounds coming from. I hate shopping. I hate the artificial lighting. And so I'm a bit of a nightmare when it comes probably to taking me on a date. I don't like bowling because I don't like all the sound and artificialness. Um, yeah. But the sensory stuff. Oh, my gosh. I'm so aware of it now. Do you have that, Ben? Most of that, yeah. Um, I mean, I can do like cinemas. However, I like to know where I'm going to sit. It depends where I sit can be essential to it. The lights and stuff and sounds, again, what I was saying to you before, the call with the masking, it does bother me a lot. But because I masked it for so many years, I've got used to being uncomfortable with it. Um, it still does bother me. Um, isn't that sad? I know exactly what you mean. I'm I am comfortable with the discomfort now yeah i'm thinking what else you said oh hairdressers see i had the, the same hairdresser for about you know 20 years so that helped um otherwise if you went to new i mean to the point uh, one thing i'm not never been good with is knowing like numbers on hair like if you say how do you want your hair cut i still don't know the numbers now so i'd just say oh same as usual but can I have it a bit such and such Whereas if it was a different hairdresser... So I'm, I know exactly what you mean. I'm going to make you laugh now. I still don't know. I'm going to say this because some people need to realise that this is normal. I still don't know what side of your body your heart is on, if it's left or right. Because there are some things 
that I've had to learn parrot fashion because it didn't come into when we were doing all our learning. Yeah. So I, I, there are things that, that you just mask and you quickly look it up and then you pretend you're like everyone else. But I know exactly what you mean. I don't get lots of things that people think are normal. Yeah. I think it is. You See, I don't know. I, I'd say your left side, but I don't actually know. And I can't feel it sometimes. It's like, I forget <laughs> where it is. So I'm trying to feel for it now. So yeah, I know what you mean, Mr. Flat. With P Pulse, I was always, I remember some at Pulses because I've got a vein on my side of my head and I've got a vein on my thing. So I can remember Pulses, although it took me a while to, I can't feel it now, but anyway. So yeah, I know what you mean with all that stuff. It's yeah. Um, or when someone talks about the liver or the kidney or anything, I don't really know which one does which functioning, but I suppose that's because we didn't hyper-focus on it because it didn't interest us. Maybe it was too detail-y. Yeah, I mean, it's weird because I've always been interested in sport and things like that, and as part of that, to learn that. But then it, a lot of it didn't sink in. Um, like, we remember all the bones. I can remember some of the obscure ones, but not the obvious ones. Um, like Tib, Tib and Fib, I remember them, things like that. But, yeah, it's, it's weird. It just, like I say, I, I can retain random stuff you know i can remember word for word lines from like a cartoon from the 90s um that or i can remember where i was when i said something I, I say it was when i was under that bridge i don't know when it was in london do you remember but how are you with the um the years when people say things like oh i was in greece in 84 can you do that thing I can, yeah. I do it with music a lot. Um, I remember certain songs, and like that come out probably about August 2006 because I was doing oh. X, Y, and Z then. <laughs> I've got no idea of any date at all other than when I was born and four years I went to uni. I don't know any other. Right. I think that's more the autism side of me, I think, definitely, from, from speaking to so many people about this sort of thing. Um, I've spoken to quite a few people of ADHD, who can't remember any dates or whatever. So I think it is the autism, definitely. Um, maybe the OCD as well, but remembers that. You can pin it, yeah. But I can, like, I've said to a few people, I can do this thing where I, I don't even know how I do it. Like, I can do it now. I can go back to a certain memory in time right now, which is a, a random one. Um, and I don't know what takes me there. Like, I've took straight back to when I was about 16. I was playing football. I was climbing over the AstroTurf fence um, at a specific time and who I was with. There's, I can't think how he, how that thought got there from what I've just said then. Um, so, yeah, I can go back to certain... A lot of it is not even important things either. It's like just run-of-the-mill mundane things as well. It's not necessarily big events. But maybe they weren't big events to neurotypical people, but to us, it created a feeling in us, which was just intense. I can remember feelings. You can ask me feelings right back to when I was tiny, and I remember feelings. Mm -hmm. I can't yeah. go in car washes, and now I finally realise why. It was just all so frightening and loud. I, I'm going to go in a I've always got a dirty car. <laughs> yeah. Buy a car wash when I grow up. Yeah, oh, car wash, that's that. I used to see it as a, as a kid as like an adventure going in a car wash, like it was like this scary adventure you'd go on. Um, yeah, God. 
Yeah, I can remember that. Um, yeah. So, um, moving on, um, unless there's anything you particularly wanted to say on that bit we was on about. <laughs> no, that was brilliant. It's brilliant to find out that actually other people feel the same weirdy things that I feel sometimes. My boyfriend calls it my spidiness, that sort of intuition from feeling things that something's going to happen. I, like When I wake up in the morning and I say, oh, it smells like it's sunny. What? Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, so do you see ADHD as a disability? No, I see not knowing you have ADHD as a disability. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Masking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fine. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I'm going to ask this question to obviously every guest. And as I've said a few times, most people say they don't see it as a disability, whether it's autism or ADHD. Um, there's a few that have said that. I don't understand reasons why but I mean I, I don't see his disability um I just don't for, for various reasons so yeah no I know it's interesting asking people that one um so a few random questions um actually, so what's your favorite color if you have one and is there any particular reason for that or is it just that it is green um I find green really calming because it's as far away from anything artificial lit, artificial made up colours. Uh, my house is all primary colours, I notice. Um, these pictures behind me I brought back from Vietnam many years ago are probably the most crazy things, um, but I can cope with them. And um, if anything in my wardrobe is patterned or sparkly or anything like that. One of a friend, one of my friends has left it over by mistake. E everything is just plain and one color. Yep, I understand that. Um, do you have any special interests? If so, what would you say they are? If you do, yeah. And I'm looking at my list. Obviously, it's uh. The sea, the forest. I moved us in December down to the new forest. We live in a place called Limington now. We were living in Essex before. And I just, I grew up around here and I needed to be around the sea again because walking on the beach just takes me back to the most authentic me. It's the reset button and, uh, and I need that. Um, and... I also love swimming in the sea, cycling, walking, things where I can't mask. There's no masking allowed, although that's caught up with me now and I just don't do it anyway. Um, and also flamenco music. Uh, as part of my degree, I lived in Madrid and I discovered flamenco and the just amazing guitars and stuff like that. And do you know what? I was at my height of masking, I would say, um, 19 to 21 when I had to go to Spain. And um, I didn't mask in Spain because I already had the added advantage of being foreign. Uh, and so they couldn't get their head around that. So I thought, well, I might as well just unmask as well. It's all going to be in the same bundle. Um, yeah. And I'm fluent in Spanish. And I noticed that when I speak Spanish, it's okay 
to use your arms, to be late, to be loud, to laugh loudly, to be a bit inappropriate sometimes. And then when I came back to England, I had to fit in the box. The mask. Yeah. And I discovered flamenco during that time. And there is something called duende, which is a word associated with flamenco, which is just about this animal stirring in your soul. There's not an English translation. And um, whenever I heard that music in England, I would just weep because it was as if that wasn't coming out. Hmm. And I've still kept my love of that. And then the other thing is, you know, reading, because fortunately I'm one of the ADHDers that can read prolifically and, and not get distracted. I mean, I speed read. I can do two pages in about 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, and I love finding links about neurodiversity and women and their hormones and how perhaps it would have um, come out quicker if they'd done more reading about it. And I try and bring that to people on I've got a um, a three-minute podcast that I do, Ben. It's called The ADHD Hummingbird. You can get it on Spotify or through my socials. And they're only three minutes because I bore myself or pe- listeners will get bored. But I try and put some little nuggets in there. And, um, you know, if I think back to when I was a teenager with the hormones and periods and all of that business, that week when you are on your period, your estrogen is at its lowest. Well, your estrogen is what really gets your neurotransmitting feel-good, your dopamine going. Mm-hmm. And if I kept a diary of that week where I went, <clears throat> might have made more sense. When I was pregnant, I felt amazing because my estrogen was in full bloom. And then when I hit the menopause in 48, at, at 46, 47, everything went a bit askew again. And I was only reading the other day that during your menopause, 65% of your estrogen uh, disappears. Well, that's all your dopamine making stuff. So yeah. when you get fuzzy head and your irritability and your sadness, I urge women, if they feel, if they've always felt a bit different, to read up on ADHD because maybe your ADHD is coming out loud, which is what happened with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. Makes a lot of sense as well. Um Obviously, it is, it is different when you're ADHD. Everything's different, even if it's only slightly different. There's going to... It is, isn't it? So, And all the tests that were done on autism and ADHD were done on men, on boys. And so we're sort of shouting over here, which in a way gives everyone woman ADHD fatigue now, a bit like, oh, she's just been diagnosed with ADHD. You know, and that gets on my nerves a bit. But... yeah. They're bound to start coming out the woodwork now because it's being noticed, which is fantastic. No, absolutely. Um, like I say, the diagnosis process previously, like I say, it was boys, um, and then certain types of boys, wasn't it? Usually, um, one for autism, one for ADHD, and and I didn't fit into either of those either. So, yeah. Um, I'm thinking. Do you know what, Ben? It's interesting because in my class at school. And I was really bullied at school. Uh, I had my first burnout at 13, actually, as a, on the back of terrible bullying. Yeah. I had a boy now, I realised, with ADHD in my school class. He was the naughty boy. 
didn't we? Concentrate, brilliant at football. Yeah. Then we had the, I would say, Asperger's. I know we don't say that now, but so high-performing boy who was who knew all about planets and space, and he was the, the sort of weirdo, the geek, all those words which now have disappeared, I hope. But yeah. I never met anyone who sees uh, who has both and it's you must have a constant battle going on in your head ben yeah yeah because is it neat enough is it the right time go on let's do it yeah yeah all, all that stuff like and then i've got the introvert side and the expert side of the introvert i sort of sign it more to my anxiety autism the extrovert more to my adhd slash ocd as well and then it's like flitted from one to other so yeah, it is. Um, it is fun, and like I said, I didn't fit into either category because I wasn't naughty at school. Outside of school, I was more lively than that because I like being outside playing football and stuff. So I was more, yeah, ADHD in some senses then. Um, but I wasn't also a nerd or anything at school. I was sort of, I went in, I went in the top sets for some things, but like middle to bottom for others. So it was like. I wasn't the A-star student either or anything like that. So it was, and I always had friends and stuff. So it was, I was seen as normal, but a bit quirky or whatever. That's what I always got. Um, Did you get invited to parties and stuff at school, Ben? Um, I, so it was a bit different parties then. We didn't, re- it, we didn't really do it as much then. I mean, it was, even with that was about 50-50. Some I did. And then others, like me and a few mates got left out, but it wasn't just me on my own. I was like, what's going on here? So it was a bit of a social thing going on there. Um, so even that was a bit mixed, to be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we didn't do it that... We didn't. I mean, most of the time, most of my childhood, it was just playing football, playing out, running around somewhere. Um, like PlayStation, that little bit, only a tiny bit, um, in an evening or whatever, or like wrestling or... I'd, we'd be wrestling off field or something daft like that and getting into trouble occasionally with things, um, only occasionally. Like um, there was some barren land near us and we were like climbing. There was this abandoned house and we were like messing about in there and there was this massive digger and we were climbing up that and stuff and um, got into trouble for that and stuff like that. But um, and then there was a farmer's field near us where the farmer shot at us once, like, as a warning thing because we were messing about in there so yeah it was I mean I, well I love my childhood to be fair um not so much the school part but the outside of school part I enjoyed more um mm-hmm. I, yeah, think, I think yeah. mine was sort of the out of uh, probably up to 11 I was really happy probably up to about 11 and then we moved and I started uh secondary school in the second year so everyone had kind of got the click of the first year and the pr- primary school etc cetera, etc cetera. but I was invited to parties but when it came to the day I would have overwhelm and I wouldn't be able to go yeah. on the bus you know going on a trip mum would have to keep rescuing me off the bus I never gone I never went on any trips and we never understood what it was and she used to say oh you'd get really excited I think it was overwhelm sensory overwhelm of sitting on that bus with the crisp packets and the noise and not knowing who's going to whack your head and the smell and now I get it Mm. I was fortunate I never went on buses because both my schools were within walking distance so I never had any of that. Um, 
yeah, and I went home at dinner at secondary school, so I didn't have all the social stuff at dinner time. Um, so I'd I'd made my own. I didn't know at the time, but I'd sort of made my own system as such to cope. You had a safe system, yeah. So, yeah. So, um, next or last random question, maybe. Um, If you could meet any celebrity or famous person from the past, who would it be and why? I will just say, I've said this for the last few podcasts now, I keep forgetting to update that question because I believe it may have just said, if you can meet any celebrity and not the from the past bit. Ah, keep, okay. Keep getting to update it. <laughs> can I answer both? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, from now, a celebrity, I don't do celebrities and I'm not interested at all in, in that, 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 but I will use it in terms of a, a person that we, we, we know of who's famous. I'd say that if I could have a a, a, a a chat with Gabor Mate, if that's how you pronounce him, Scattered Minds, best book I've ever read for ADHD, ever. And Urquhart Toller, who obviously wrote The Power of Now, which I realise that, um, I would say since realising that book, that I realised that ADHD was always pushing me away from now, because I never wanted to sit because it was difficult. And actually, since reading his book, Dropping Egos, Being Aware of Egos, really, is this a fight that's going on or a triangle about something else? And all of that coaching training has been so helpful as well. And in terms of from the past, probably not anybody famous, but I would be really curious to meet some great, great, great grandparents and uh, particularly one of those who might have a neurodiversity link to my ADHD and to just see as a fly on the wall how they dealt with ADHD in like 1747, you know, whether they had these amazing outfits on with like bits of coffee spilt down there or like, you know, if they if they had big clumps of hair because they hadn't fancied brushing their hair for a few days because they couldn't find their brush you know how did they mask back then yeah no I've not had anyone say that particular answer that latter one and yeah I think that's quite interesting I mean I'd love to 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 go back well see all family members throughout history Um, I'd love to do that but yeah um, obviously the neurodivergence side of it yeah that'd be interesting have you traced your have you traced yours back through your parents and and grandparents Ben that's one of those things that's on my in my mental list in my head that hasn't been ticked off yet is it not obvious um oh oh sorry I've uh, people like your I own parents oh, and yeah, grandparents oh yeah, oh, yeah. oh yeah I've done all that yeah people I know yeah yeah I've done all that um with like grandparents parents uh siblings and stuff like that. I've, I've, I've gone through all that in my head and talked about it so I thought it's you mad might, isn't it when you think God, yeah, they did do that quite a lot. Well, yeah, I think um, I think my nonna had anxiety. And then I think, I don't think she was autistic. I'd have to, I, actually, because she's told, told me, she told me before she died about anxiety in some forms. So, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've looked into that. I'd love to have known, like, going back even further in time, 
you know what what they were like as well. Um, so there's a few things I I could sort of say, but is there anything you want to sort of dive into? No, you start, Ben. Go for it. So, um, obviously, you've mentioned a few things already. Um, I kind of want to ask you about Madrid, but that's just a personal thing and not really to do in your university. So I'll leave. Go on, that. go on, go on, go on, go on. Well, I don't know, just because because I, I love. Uh, Spain really I mean I've been to Madrid I went a couple of years ago um, but I suppose yeah just how you found that whole experience really but I'm, I don't want to drift off too much and get it, obsessed it was all I can say is it was amazing and it was um, as I said to you it was the most authentic I have ever ever been and I think it will always hold a real and it's a bit naff a real special place in my heart because I didn't know that that feeling I got when I was speaking Spanish was the unmasked authentic male. I just thought it was just because it was sunny and there was sangria and things. That's what Spain did for me. Yeah, yeah. And sort of switching over again, but just in terms of um, your background, so like you've mentioned being an entrepreneur, which is something I'm very interested in, and the ADHD entrepreneur side of it, definitely. Um, so do you want to just tell us about you know, what you've done in the past or what you're doing? in terms of um your businesses or yeah of course so um i came back from spain and um i'd also picked up german so i'm fluent in spanish and german um and sort of can get by in french but i wouldn't say i'm fluent you know the school french mm -hmm. went knocking on doors in uh london and said you know i'm trilingual i've got a marketing degree etc and uh they went you and everyone else <laughs> so i ended up getting a temping job at uh warner brothers uh working in marketing there and i was so confident an extrovert which actually isn't masking that's, this is me um that they pushed me into being one of the dolly girls that had to introduce DVDs, the release of DVDs to all of the big blockbusters and the vid biz. And that was, again, easy. I, I don't mind who I talk to. I really don't. And then, yeah. uh, and yet I wasn't able to apply to the marketing department. I was kept in the sales because I think the ADHD personality is a bit too you know, forceful and chatty, and they wanted the skills, you know, for the sales team. So that was great. Uh, eventually, I became bored of that and then knocked on an ad agency's door and said, I think I could make you some money. They said, no, you can't. I said, give me a month. I made the money. I then got headhunted to uh, a very large group of ad agencies and um, set up new business revenue streams. And for example, uh, the way that you make money in an ad agency is you are paid a commission by the media so that you represent the media on their behalf. And I just kept thinking, why don't we design a little calculation on the screen, which makes us the most amount of money per deal? And um, I think I took the margin up from 8% 8, 8 up to 14% within, uh, uh, within the year, just from this thing and so I realized that I could see things and patterns that other people can't really see um and then I burnt out uh 
did too much. So I went and escaped and I lived in Southeast Asia on my own for a couple of years, decided entrepreneurially that I was going to be an art dealer and uh, brought back 34 of these paintings uh, from Vietnam, then got headhunted to run another agency, was given a Porsche as a, as, a, as my company car, couldn't get any of the paintings in the boot, have loads of paintings left. <laughs> Then uh, bought out an ad agency that did really, really well. And then I had a, a little girl um, and realized that I couldn't combine ad agency life, which was very masked. Good Lord. Drinky, drinky, drinky all the time. Not authentic because actually all the media want is for you to buy into their mag, buy into their paper. So that irked me a bit. Not saying anything anti-media, but that whole setup irked me. And then I thought, right, what am I going to do with the little baby? And so I went and approached uh, a farmer for a two and a half thousand square foot wooden barn and turned it into a still still had some marketing retaining clients, turned it into a great big um, play and restaurant facility, which right. was so wi-fi it was all about attachment therapy attachment theory so parents would play with their children more and yeah. i would just walk around like the maitre d talking to everyone and then covid hit had to make eight members of staff um redundant and realized i was drinking too much white wine mm -hmm. so to launch an alcohol brand which was called Moose, were approached to gin distillers, said, Could you create with me a gin that's 12% rather than 37%? Gave him the flavors, launched that. That was a success. I then sold that business. And then for the last year, have been thinking seriously about coaching. But do you know what always stopped me coaching was I thought that you had to be an expert in the field of what you were coaching. When so you say you coaching on, um, I don't know, relationships, how on earth could I coach relationships when I've masked for 40 uh, for 50 years of my life? No, 48 years of my life. And the more I've learned is it's it, it, it's better off that I don't know any of the information and that I just ask the right questions because they have all the answers, not me. And I wish I learned how to be a coach years ago. And the other day, during one of our training sessions, we had to do values and we looked at John Demartini and, and wrote them down. And I cried in the training session because I realized that I could answer the values whilst masking and I could answer the values now. And they were so so different it was unbelievable all of that fantastic money that I earned during ad agency days was coupled with having to drink to be able to be in an office with fluorescent lights where no one booked appointments where people walked over with the noise with the lights oh my gosh and I never realized any of that and what came up quite high in my values is I like uncertainty. I really do. So there was me trying to do jobs where they wanted forecasting on a Monday and this on a da-da-da day when I was commercial director. And it, it's not me. 
So um, now I am hoping to specialise in masking and helping individuals take off that mask, albeit neurodiverse masks or women who are going back to work after maternity leave, who sort of think that career suits them still. But they've got a feeling inside. They don't know what it is. Well, let's find out if that career suits you still. And um, that's my work. That's my work history. No, that's, that's very, very, I don't want to say interesting because I've, I'm sick of using that word. I've said it about six times already. But it is. It's fascinating, should I say, because... It, it, well, that shows ADHD in many ways. I've moved from one thing to another, but you've managed to excel even with having to mask and do things you don't want to do, but you've you've managed to have that drive and ambition, et cetera, to, to do that. Do, also... do you know what? Thank, thank you for saying that because I get quite teary about all of this in that all that while that you've beat yourself up for not being able to follow instructions, be on time, you know, do your admin, et cetera, et cetera. But having come out okay, and my friends go, no, not okay, really, really well, is it's all very well and good thinking, what would it have been like if I had known or if I didn't have ADHD? But the point is, it's really important to the whole self-love thing to realise you were amazing anyway. Yeah. Because grief is a big thing when you're diagnosed. It really is. And, you know, it's certainly the feeling I had in me when I carried out the values exercise a couple of weeks ago. But it, it was what it was, wasn't it? And the more we can do things like this together, the more people might look into why they feel a bit different. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. Definitely. Um. Yeah, no, it, it is fascinating to hear all that. And and obviously how you've then realised that even though you're making loads of money, if you're not happy entirely, then it's not worth you know, risking your health, your long-term health, etc. And obviously the, the older you get, as i found, the, le the less, you know, if you keep abusing yourself or letting environments abuse you, whatever, then... You can't go on forever. You, you've got to then adapt and find ways to cope um, and stuff. I mean, I, I I went, just on a tangent, I went gluten-free and lactose-free a year and a half ago, uh, purely because I was having stomach problems. And whilst I believe it is down to that as well, the, the whole stress and anxiety side that my body's taken over the years as well has, has gradually caught up with me. Because um, when I was in my 20s, I... Um, I was okay in that sense. I, I still had anxiety and stress on different levels. Um, but yeah, the the more it, you keep adding that extra stress on top of it, it's going to catch up. So you've got to adapt and find your own way. Um, have you heard about? Have you heard about? So I'm just waving to my daughter coming back from school. Have you heard about the autistic stomach? Yeah, I, I've I've looked into that. Well, autism and ADHD um, as well. Yeah, yeah, and how it's all linked all linked together um mm. yeah mm. and what are you what are you like ben on um different color foods and textures and so on how how are you um so for years i lived on 
oh, my friend used to laugh at this, baked beans and mashed potatoes. Um, I used to have it every dinner for years. Um, and I had, this, I, I had the same foods every day. Um, in terms of textures and that, I mean, I don't like anything spicy. I know it's not textures, but I don't like anything spicy. I can't have anything spicy. I don't like the smells and I can't stomach it anyway. Um, it, it is a bit of a weird one because um, when it comes to, I mean, I don't have sweets much now, but when I did, I liked the, depending on what colour they were. So if it like a blue, purple, pink or something, I'd, I'd like it more than like a yellow, than like an orange or something. So that's I thought everyone, I thought everyone was like that. I do that. I, I, I don't want the yellows or the oranges. I want the green and the purples. That's what I mean. So with that, there was that side of it. In terms of food and textures, I definitely did show autistic traits in in a lot of it. Um, I mean, even now I have the same dinner pretty much every day. Part of that is because of the whole gluten thing. But even so, I, I tended to have the same food most of the time. So um, I don't like things where you have to chomp them. We have to chew them for ages either. I don't like that. Um, anything that takes you ages to cut it up as well, um, I don't like. Yeah, textures, I'd have to rethink about it because I've gone through so many different things with all that that I forgot where I am with it in some senses. Um, I, I just want to say this, that last week I watched Christine McGuinness's second uh, programme about her masking in autism. Yeah. Had sort of, she's always been on a beige diet. She, she said that's all she eats. And she spoke to this amazing woman at the uh, hospital uh, that's linked with King's College, etc., about anorexia. And yeah. they did a, a, a test across all the anorexic girls there. Um, and I think they only have girls. I don't know. I might be wrong on that. But a third of all of them had very strong autistic traits that nobody had realised before. And the point is that, you know, <laughs> if you're trying to get these girls to re-eat again and their diet is so restricted because of the textures and the colours, etc., if you don't realise there might be autism present and you're giving them broccoli, come on, that'll keep you healthy and slim and all of that, and they don't only eat beige, I'm going to read up on that because I find that really quite interesting. Yeah, I did watch that programme as well. Yeah, I did, it was interesting, that particular bit he was on about. Yeah, um, yeah. again, more awareness. People need to be talking about it. and Because a lot, you know, I didn't know about the whole stomach and food for, for most of my life so a lot of other people won't either no um so there's a couple of things you've mentioned that i think we'll, we'll go through um well it's up to this next i know you you've mentioned it so the, the whole drinking thing i know you've, you've touched on that a few times did you want to just a you don't have to I, you... i'd like to touch on drinking and dating which unfortunately are a bit interwoven um i think I uh, had my first drink when I went to live, um, I'd say in, in Madrid really, and university time. And I just noticed that it took the edge off this sort of busyness that goes on with your ADHD and, and you're not so aware of being a bit of an odd fit if you, yeah. if you drink and you mix in and, um, I did some crazy things. Um, I fell down the whole flight of stairs at Liverpool Street Station, down two flights of stairs after a boozy business lunch, typical advertising lunch. I've got yeah. 
things and ended up in completely wrong destinations. I've woken up lying on a broken mirror, stupid, stupid things. And now uh, I would say I could only see myself getting tipsy in a at a dinner party or in a restaurant where you're enjoying the food and the drink, but being drunk doesn't interest me anymore. And I think that was all part of, since I don't mask, I don't need to be drinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I mean, when I drink, it's when you've had so many, like sometimes going to bit a bit relaxed mentally where, like you say, I'm still aware things are going off around me, but I'm shutting out the noises slightly. Um, but then I can't really hear what other people are saying around me then. And I know. <laughs> I know. And I, and I also, I have terrible hearing anyway, I think. And um, I can't bear being in a social situation where everyone's going like this. Yeah. <laughs> I can't bear not knowing what they're saying. And then on the other side of the coin, Ben, you've got when you go out and you can hear everyone's conversation and feel everyone's energy in the room and you don't want to hear what they're saying. It's, that is a bit of a bugger with the ADHD. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, on the first example you gave, I sort of just, I usually just nod and smile and I sort of, again, with a mask, and I sort of guessed what is the appropriate response to give based on their how they are with me, I sort of like might smile a bit, or if they're looking a bit more like serious, I'll look a bit yeah. more. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. What were we doing? What were we doing? <laughs> and the dating, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, a couple of those in the bar, etc., or a couple of those on the dating apps leads to, you know, oh, what a car crash. Basically, because I was, because I was masking all the time, I needed to have a safe moat around me. So that person would never twig my dirty little secret, which I didn't know what it was, but I wasn't, I didn't have the wardrobe they thought that I had because actually there was a safety pin under the hem that they hadn't seen, or I'd had to get a bit of a stain off a white top before I'd gone out. So there was all of that, the imagery that was just all tricks and masking. Yeah. And so the kind of men that worked uh, were probably um, unavailable people. I don't mean married as well. I mean, you know, emotionally unavailable because then they wouldn't even know. They wouldn't even be bothered about me that much. So I was able to just mask and pull it off really well. They're the ones that were just adorers who would, even if I cocked up and arrived with a ladder up my tights, just still thought I was gorgeous anyway. And that was a little bit of, you know, helping my self-esteem with the ADHD. And actually, I unmasked Big Reveal. And my new, and I found a lovely chap over the last few months. And one thing that I also realised let me down with dating was, as well as the masking, was the whole business of rejection uh, sensitivity dysphoria. Mm -hmm. And when they liked me and I said to them, well, I didn't say it. I carried on for years and years and years, wasted years in stupid relationships because I didn't want them to be disappointed in me because that feeling for all of these listeners who don't know what that is, is like having your arm chopped off because you feel you've disappointed that person so much. And 
that is the people pleasing bit in us as well, where we say yes, 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 overextend and then don't want to go. And I don't do any of that anymore. And I um write um I write I, I wrote what I wanted on my dating profile and I wrote it as male. I didn't write it as masked male and things seem to have taken a really good turn. Yeah, I mean that that's good good to hear you've you've come to that where you are now. Um I totally understand all that. Um yeah, I mean it's it's interesting hearing it from a female as well, obviously different. You Have know. you done it all, Ben? Um, kind of. Well, not exactly like that, but yeah, it's I mean, I've got rejection sensitivity dysphoria as well, um, which manifests in different ways, I guess, as well. Um it's just, just such a minefield, the whole whole thing. And I mean, I was in relationships for, for years where I shouldn't have been. And again, I didn't want to yeah. let them down, make them unhappy. Yeah, yeah. All that sort of stuff. And I like, what am I doing here? And um, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know. I just find the whole thing bizarre, really, now. Um, the whole, um, what's the word, landscape of it all. Um I think it has changed over the years as well, how obviously the online thing um, added a different dimension to it all. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I remember I remember at school, someone liked, I'm trying to think now, going back, there's been times where people have liked me and I've not realised it then, and then I realised it later, like years later, oh, you know, they actually like me sort of thing. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know what to say about it all. It's just, I find it all strange, to be honest. Um, it is strange. And I, and also, not really sure where you're supposed to go because, you know, if you've got sensory stuff, if you've got autism as well, all of that business, it's, oh, just go and do something that you would have had fun doing on your own anyway. I heard yeah. someone say that the other day because if yeah. it ends up going tits up you've had a really nice time because imagine which i have booking a dinner with somebody and knowing within two minutes because you do that the energy's wrong and you've still got to go through an hour and a half of just <laughs> it's just a nightmare yeah what we got found is well i think over the years i think a lot a lot of people are quite boring as well a lot of people so quite... <laughs> Um, yeah, and I mean, just some of the stuff I've done in the past where I'm like, why did I put up with all that? Just, I don't know, just stuff to watch on TV as well. Um, and just, just routines people have where, you know, you go to the stereotype, you go to work nine to five, you get home, you have your tea, you watch a bit of TV. That's about it, really. A lot of, a lot of people live that way. Well, most people live that way, don't they? Um, obviously, work different hours and whatever, but. I'm just, just, I don't know, just find it all boring. Like We do the food shop on a Thursday. We go to the cinema on a Saturday. I remember thinking many times, if this is it, <laughs> it's not enough. This is not enough. But it was, it was all external. And actually, I needed to get this right inside to invite the right. Yeah. yeah. And searching when you feel... A little bit needy on a on an online scrolly thing, 
is the same as going into Tesco's when you're starving. You just pick quick fixes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and try and find out who you are yourself, because how can you write a shopping list when you when you don't open your cupboards or, or see what's needed? Yeah, I agree. So um, is there anything in particular you you wanted to bring up uh, other than what we... I, I would like to bring up that um, until my um, diagnosis and until I moved here, which was in December last year, I was living, but I don't think I felt alive. Mm -hmm. um, I was on 50 milligrams of sertraline, because I'd been on that since uh, for about four years because I didn't know what this feeling was. I felt anxious, a bit weird. Da, da, da. And I have since come off that and I'm not on anything anymore. And um, I just realized that actually this is life. Bloody hell, this is life. And actually... I reckon I'm nine or 10 out of 10 happy every day. And that's not big things going on. That's just the big question mark has gone. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm glad you you, you feel that way now. Uh, and you've you figured it out and what's what's best for you, what your needs are and what what you what you um what you're not gonna tolerate as well, I think. You know, things you're not going to tolerate, people you're not going to tolerate, I think is, is very important. No. And I do I do wonder if, you know, because probably you're the same. I noticed so many neurodivergents around me. And, I, you know, you can't go over and go, you're a bit ADHD, you're a bit autistic. You're not allowed to do that. But I do wonder if in 50 years' time, the rare person will be the neurotypical person and you and I will have got it right yeah no I've, I've thought about stuff like yeah I think I think we're a long way off people accepting it all um I think there's been massive strides made in the last couple of years alone um but at I, least you're male Ben at least you're male you're taken more seriously than us well yeah yeah, I would say that. With the uh, testing, I mean, not just the gender. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> You've had all the tests based on men. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, we're testing definitely. Um. Yeah. But even when I go from ADHD diagnosis, um, I believe I've got to highlight a bit more, like act, show what's in my head more than what's physically being presented i think um yeah it depends who i get who, who, who does it i guess but yeah um i forgot what i'm going to say now i don't know but i want to say something you said earlier was when when i said that i announced that i'm neurodiverse on phone calls is you know i would really like you to take away from this call maybe it's worth doing that sometimes yourself yeah. god it's helped me yeah no definitely i think I will pick and choose when I do it, but yeah, that yeah. is something I may do. Um, yeah, I mean, when I go out in public and stuff, occasionally I'll drop in 
I've got ADHD or whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll assess the situation and figure out, do I think these people are going to have a clue what I'm on about and how are they going to respond to that? Um, I mean, when I was in a previous job before I worked for myself, uh, that was when I found out I was autistic and stuff. Got the diagnosis. I didn't tell them until I'd got the diagnosis because I knew they wouldn't believe me. Um, I'd already figured that one out. Then when I told him, I thought, well, I am. I've got it now. I've got it on paper, blah, blah, blah. I then got treated differently in a patronising way with some people. Oh, I'm sorry. So, yeah, which then I, but then I turned it around into a funny thing because my, my friends I worked with did accept it. They didn't fully understand it, but they accepted it. Um, and then we just have a laugh because then I'd, I'd play on the fact that I'm now this, I'm now a bit simple or whatever you want to say, um, how they were sort of treating me. So then I'd play up to it a bit then, just I thought, well, rather than get angry about it, I just took Mick out of it a bit, to be honest. Um, and I got more leeway with stuff, so I like, well, yeah, it was just funny. But um, Or if someone's in a, or if I go into a restaurant, they put me right near to the speakers. And I really could live without music, I really could. I thought about that before we talked, because... The word, the repetition of the words annoy me. The fact that I know whether a chorus or a verse has come in before anyone else. Christmas music, there's something in Christmas music. I cannot even bear it. It's the punk uh, Christmas Can't bear it. All the Christmas, all the pla oh my God, the routine of it all. But the point where I was going was I asked people to turn down music now, and my other half, if I just for a moment might do a look away, he knows that there's a light or a music or something and it's so amazing to be neurodiversely respected in a couple god it's lovely yeah that see, <clears throat> see with that with music um i'm a bit different to i'm either i've i either have it really really loud or if it's a song i can't stand i cannot be near it so I hate George Ezra for some reason. I just don't like his music. But... <laughs> I've simply read. I just have to leave. Yeah, but Pete, that was stuff I struggled with in relationships in the past. When George, I was like, I can't have this on. I cannot be. And they'd be like, oh, what's up with you? I'd be like, no, I, I really can't. Christmas music, this is what I say. What I was saying earlier about, you know, being boring. Or I, I can't, I hate, whenever it gets to bloody November, I get anxiety because I know if I go out anywhere, Christmas music will be on. My God, all... so do I. People think I'm weird. And I say, I, I need to, like, we were waiting, you know, it, when all the airports had strikes for the uh, luggagey people, yeah. the security people. So we went to Italy in December. I was in Stansted waiting the bit before, after you've gone in for three hours with Christmas music on. And, uh, I've bought some of those loop earplugs now, which gave yeah. me ear infection. Uh, so I don't know what I'm going to do about them because of the material and the sensitivity. But my friend was laughing at me and going, what do you mean you don't like this music? I said, you wait and see what I'm like in an hour. In an hour, I nearly punched people. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, it's horrible. Um, the Noddy Holder one, or whatever his name is, Holder. <laughs> that one. <laughs> That's the one that could does me. It could uh, be Christmas every day. That one. Yeah. I hate that. That's the one that does me, Eddie, because everyone like automatically goes really cheery and it just winds me up. Um, just really every winds me up. Every radio station, every TV programme, it's like it's like 
being stuck in a nightmare. Yeah. That's weird, isn't it? Oh, good. Everyone else calls me, um, what do they say when someone doesn't like Christmas? Oh, uh, Grinch and all that. Um, well, yeah, that thing. But obviously, we're both... I can't think of the one. I can, Stu, no, what's it called now? Scrooge. Scrooge, isn't it? That's one. Scrooge. Scrooge. That's one, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. See, the way I've adapted with that one is I just... I don't... I just do... I, I hate... I hate the fact that all the high street stores, well, not all of them, but a lot of them are closing because I just don't like that. But I do online shopping for Christmas now just because I can't bear being in the shops. So that's how I get around it. I'm not On the 23rd to... with Prime. Yeah. Yeah, snap. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, last, well, unless anything you want to bring up, which you can do, last question for me would be, um, is there any sort of particular aims or goals that you have in life, really, or with the neurodiversity sort of side of it? You may not have thought about it if you have. Great if you well, I tell you what isn't an aim anymore is to try and do those things which really make me uncomfortable and I just thought I needed to get better at them and deal with them. I just don't do them anymore. I don't like DIY. I don't like baking. I can't follow instructions. I'm a mean cook, but I can't bake. Too detailed. Um, and I hope that by being such a loud advocate for someone with ADHD that I might change a few people's lives and then think I'm going to go and investigate it. Because to be honest, if I hadn't read what I read and um, I followed an account by um, Pink Bear, a lady called Louise, which was just phenomenal, who just had a diagnosis. And if it wasn't for things like that, I wouldn't have gone and done it. So spreading the word and... Um, to just be kinder to myself. And yeah. and I think that the training of being a coach is all about being kind to myself because I keep offering myself opportunities to learn. So I'm really, I'm really pleased the way that the course with Optimus is going. Yeah. That's good to hear. So is there anything else you want to mention before we wrap it up? Please have a look at my podcast, Beg, Beg, Beg. Uh, it's called The ADHD Hummingbird. I cover drinking, dating, sounds. I cover um, sex and foreplay so that you're not thinking about what you need to defrost from the freezer at the same time as trying to have a nice time. Uh, clothes, um, self-care, all of that business. Um, we might have a bit of body dysmorphia that's going to come up as well. Um so please listen to this and um yeah if you want to join the neurodiverse gang we'd love to hear from you but i've really enjoyed that ben thank you no problem it's been good to have you on and i think it was a great it will be a great listen when people uh listen to podcasts as well so yeah definitely and this is why i like doing it because i not not you know every podcast is different because obviously i might get people with adhd on but then it, they're gonna have different interests, different experiences, whatever, um, all within the same general theme to a degree, but then it, it goes off on different tangents. So that's mm. why I like doing it. So, yeah. No, it's been really lovely. And just just to point out that your blinds behind you, 
the equal width between each of them aren't the same and one of them's quite wide. That's what I could say, yeah, it does my head in. But <laughs> um, when if I went and messed with it now, I'd end up making it worse, which would be no You've need. it for ages. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it does my head in. I can, I can never do black. Once I, 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 I mess about with him, I can't undo it then. So I just I just leave it. and We go down a rabbit hole, don't yeah. we? We exactly. Do. All right. Thank you, Ben. Right. Cheers, man. Appreciate you being on. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll speak to you soon.